0: Welcome to Life Source Church. Subscribe to our podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud. Today you're going to hear a message from Pastor Walt that we hope encourages you. I have your Bibles this morning and I, I trust you have one, something there that you can look at,
1: either in the pew or your phone or tablet or your, somewhere. Um, Turn to 2 Timothy, chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, and I just want to draw your attention to a passage that really is the most exciting passage, I think, in the Word of God regarding the Great Commission of Jesus. We know what what Jesus said in the Great Commission, but he takes it a step further, really, with his protege, Timothy, in 2 Timothy, chapter 2, because he teaches Timothy how the process continues where we are In the local scene and uh, right where we are uh, ministering at a time and in this passage I think we have a great context for what God is doing through GBTF as well uh, because we're training nationals to do the work and uh, the first thing I say to these guys when they come into class say listen guys you can do it better than we can because you're you're on the scene you can do it better than we can because you already know the language. And these guys, you know, they know all the dialectical nuances of communication that a missionary, a white missionary or anyone for that matter, can ever learn in a lifetime because they understand how to communicate very clearly and very specifically uh, to the other person across the table. And they already understand how to navigate the culture, all the cultural norms and all the things that they face on a daily basis are part of their dna and so that's something that we can't learn we can only we can only get a portion of it but then the the last thing is that they care about the people far more deeply than anybody else could because many of them they know and they've known for years or they're they are related to this passage says timothy my son you therefore my son "...be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also." And in this passage, I think we see uh, the, the, the essence of what we've been talking about, teaching others also. "...you therefore must endure hardship to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ." No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who enlisted him as a soldier. And also, if anyone competes in athletics, he's not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. The hardworking farmer must be first to partake of the crops. Consider what I say, and may the Lord give you understanding in all things. The question that is raised here in this passage really quickly this morning, I want you to get it, and if you're writing it down, make sure you write down this. How do we move and multiply the gospel forward? What is that process, and what's involved in doing that, whether we're here in Cherry Valley or anywhere else in the world? How do we move and multiply the gospel forward? So often we think in terms of addition rather than multiplication. And one of the things that God has allowed us to see in the last decade is not just additional in in numbers, but multiplication of numbers. And that makes all the difference in the world. Exponential multiplication means that you are growing so rapidly that you can no longer add those numbers. They They are just reproducing themselves to a far greater number than you could ever possibly imagine. And this morning, I want us to see four things really quickly in this text. Number one, as, as Paul uh, encourages Timothy in his work, and he's the pastor at Ephesus. They're in that great city in, uh, in Turkey, uh, in Asia Minor, as, as we called it. Paul says, Timothy, I want, you to, I want you to be focused on some things as you move and multiply the gospel forward in Ephesus. First of all, Timothy, I want you to remember what I've just said previously, And as we look back in chapter 1, we saw that Paul said some things about himself in relationship to what had happened to all those that used to support him. And, And now he's focusing on Timothy learning from that example. So he says, Timothy, first of all, I want you to recognize something very important. We need to raise up leaders who are able to face spiritual opposition. And if you'll notice in, in verse 115 and, and chapter 2 and verse 1, Paul is talking about being strong in what? Do you see that? Not, not education, is it? And, it? and it's not money, it's not resources. But he says, be strong in the grace. And, he, and as we think about grace, we have to think about the grace that saved us, don't we? For by grace are you saved, unmerited favor. This grace of God, and this grace of God brings us to salvation, but it brings us to a relationship to the Holy Spirit who lives within us as a permanent indwelling force in our life. And when we obey and and live under the force of that wonderful person of, of God in us that indwells us, we are able to do all things exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could possibly imagine. So as Paul says that to Timothy, we have to look back. Look back at verse 15. Remember what he said? He said, first of all, I want you to guard the deposit, didn't he? Guard the the deposit that is in you. What is that? That's, That's the indwelling spirit of God. And he told him also in verse 15 something very important. He said that you may know all those in Asia who have turned away from me, among whom whom are Phagellius and Hermogenes. That's a couple of great names, right? The Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. But up here in verse 13, I want you to see why he said that. He said, I want you to hold fast the pattern of sound words which you've heard from me to faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. And then he tells us not only to hold fast to that pattern, but he hold fast to that deposit. The only way we can do that as an individual Christian, as a, as a, as a, as a, a person of God, is to rely on the same grace that saved us each day, to walk in that grace and walk in that faith in obedience. And that's what Paul is saying to Timothy. Timothy, you've got to be strong in grace to face the spiritual opposition, or you're going to end up just like those in Asia who turned away from me. That's what's going to happen to you. So be strong in that grace. Doesn't mean we're going to lose our salvation. Doesn't mean that that is the problem. The problem is that we'll lose our effectiveness we will lose our ability to impact our world to impact our neighbors to impact our family to impact our loved ones but secondly we see something else going on here and it's very important secondly we have to not only raise up leaders that can face spiritual opposition we have to raise up leaders that can pass the baton you see what he said here in verse two verse two he said he says very clearly and the things which you have Heard from me among many witnesses. What's that next word? And trust or commit, right? To faithful men. What is that? That's the gospel, isn't it? That's the gospel that we're to hand off like a baton to others so that they can take the baton and run with it just like we are. That is the genius of what Jesus is saying here. And that's exactly the genius of local committing of these things to nationals on the scale that we are allowed to do and what we are to do in our families, in our neighborhoods, among God's people everywhere. We're to hand off the baton of of the training that we have received. Now, what does that consist of? What, What does it look like? It's basically what Paul is saying. I want you to hand off, first of all, the content of the gospel, You know, we've got a lot of content out there today that's saying I'm the gospel or this is the gospel, and it really isn't. Sometimes it's a watered-down gospel, a gospel that says, listen, if you're just good enough, you can go to heaven, or if you just come to church, you can go to heaven, or if you just get baptized, you can go to heaven, or if you do a lot of things, you can go to heaven based on what you have done or maybe should do. God says, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God not of works, lest any man should boast. And so this gift now is the thing that Paul is accentuating in Timothy's life, saying, listen, I want you to take the content of what you've learned and heard from me, and I want you to hand off that baton to others. The content is the, tra- is the, is the information. The committing is the handing off, the entrusting. You know, if, we, if I have a million-dollar vase in my hand, am I going give to it, give it to my five-year-old son? Hopefully not. Hopefully not, because it probably won't come back in the same one piece that you handed it to them in. Why? Because they're not able to handle something so so valuable and so important. And so we hand it off to what? The next word is character. To faithful men. Right? People that have proven themselves. Men and women. And we do that all over the world. The faithful men and women that God has brought into our sphere of, of being able to train are now the ones that we pour into. And when we pour into them, and say, we say, you have to pour into others. First thing I say on Monday morning with every group that I ever encounter, I say, listen, guys, this is not about you sitting on what you learn. This is about you taking what you learn and training at least 10 others in your church. Pouring into them so they can pour into others who can pour into others, and it can be a continuous thing. And trusting, and trusting, and that's the next word we see here continuity, who will in turn train others. And the idea is a continuous pattern of training. You know what? It's amazing. It works. It really works. What God says here, we've seen it over the last 10 years work and it's exploding and exponentially multiplying like we never imagined. But it works because that's what God says works. So here we see raising up leaders that can face spiritual opposition, raising up leaders that can pass the baton. And then thirdly, we see raising, raising up leaders that can face hardship, endure hardness as a what? A good soldier. He doesn't say as a good playmate. He doesn't say as a good companion. He says as a good what? Soldier. That's who we are. Every one of us have been called into a spiritual battle. This is not the, the uh, milk and honey land of heaven that we live in. We live in a spiritual battlefield. We are constantly in warfare, if not with ourselves, with the world externally in which we live. Amen? I get out of bed in the morning, but first, before I ever put my feet on the floor... I am facing spiritual opposition about how, what I'm thinking about or what I'm thinking about in terms of my day or what I'm thinking about in terms of what happened yesterday rather than what's thinking, what I should be thinking about today. Today, it's sufficient for the evil thereof, right? So let's not worry about yesterday any longer. Today is a new day. Let's begin it by trusting the Lord with every moment that we have. And so God is saying, listen, we have to learn to endure hardness. You know, in China, you cannot be a pastor of a house church unless you have been in prison. That's pretty tough, isn't it? That's being a good soldier. They didn't say you have to be in seminary. (laughs) They didn't say you have to go to Bible college. No, that's, that's part of the process, the training. But that happens on another level. But here we see you have to be able to face the hardness of the job. And that's what, that's what Paul is trying to get Timothy to understand as a soldier. It's hard. It's difficult. It's tough. But it's worth it. And then finally, in verses 4 to 7, we have to raise up leaders. Not only that can face spiritual opposition, pass the baton, face hardship. But we have to raise up leaders who can have and maintain a singular Focus. And he uses three things to illustrate that fact here. Number one, number one, you see, the what? The soldier, right? The soldier, he doesn't enlist in order to think about his classic car when he's on the battlefield back home. And he doesn't enlist in order to think about his bank account that's growing back home while he's on the battlefield. He thinks about the one pleasing the one who did what? Who enlisted him who called him into that line of work. And that is the battle that he is now engaged in as a trained person of God. And Paul is saying, Timothy, you have got to maintain your singular focus on serving the one who called you into his service. That's that's the most important thing for all of us. You know, when we get to heaven, it's not going to be about anything other than serving faithfully the one that has called us into his service. When we stand before him at the judgment seat, we're not going to hear someone else talking around him. We're going to hear him talking specifically to me, you, and others. Singular, in the singular, by the individual. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord or something else. But every one of us are going to give an account to him who has called us. And so we try to please him, amen? Because he's called us into his service. That's the only thing that matters. We serve an audience of one, just one. And that's true for the soldier. It's true for the athlete. He's got to follow all of the rules in order to win the prize, amen? So all of the rules are vitally important to the athlete. You know, back in 2016, we had a great relay team. American Relay Team. They got disqualified because they didn't hand the baton off in the right zone. You remember that? They didn't hand it off in the proper zone, so they were disqualified. Great team, great talent, great skill. But they didn't obey the rules. You know, we start well, we we might be doing well, but you know what the most important thing is? We finish well. We finish well. That's the toughest thing. Because it's easy at this stage in the game. You know, Walt and I, we're at that stage in life where we can be the most productive that we can possibly be at any other time in our life. And I trust we are. But you know what the other danger is at this time in our life? Not finishing as well as we could have. Trailing off or tailing off rather than staying in the heat and continuing to forge to, into conformity to Jesus. Jesus. Becoming more like him all of the time until he takes us home. And so, we want to make sure that we are are enduring hardness, being a good soldier, pleasing the one who enlisted us, following the rules. But then, like the, the hardworking farmer, guess what? He's got to stay focused, too. Not just like the soldier, not just like the athlete, but he's got to stay focused on feeding his family because the first of the crops it's not about making money it's not about getting successful it's not about being somebody it's not about getting a reputation it's about putting food on the table providing for those around you that's the singular focus of a farmer and so in all of these areas I want you to notice how do we move and multiply the gospel forward raise up leaders that can face spiritual opposition raise up leaders that can pass a baton raise up leaders that can can, uh, face hardship and then raise up leaders who have a singular focus. And today, we need to be doing that as well in our families. And so that's where it comes home to us, I think, where we begin right in the home. You know, just like Paul says, Timothy, you begin right where you are, I think each of us have to begin right where we are. And ask ourselves, are we moving and multiplying the gospel forward in each of these areas? And I want to encourage you this morning. Um, not only towards GBTF, but in this area of your life, that you might be able to move and multiply the gospel forward by making these principles your life experience so that you can do more than you could possibly imagine as you serve the Lord together here at LifeSource. For the wall.
2: All right, let's pray, and then we're going to ask him some questions here. Father, we come to you, and I'm so grateful for bringing the Snaveleys here today and and the ministry, the mission that you've uh, put in their hearts and enabled them to do. And and, uh, it's just such an encouragement, Lord, and a challenge uh, for us. And uh, so I thank you for that. Pray, Lord, we will take these things to heart and, and consider how can we be a part of reaching the world with the gospel. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Uh, so let's. And and you still time to send a question in if you want. Uh, Man, you heard a lot of stuff today. Um, So I just want to clear up something here for my mind. When you say you can't be a pastor in China unless you've been in jail, right? That's what the churches require.
1: That's that's pretty much the norm. It's not. I don't think it's a requirement. Pretty much, you know, their life experience.
2: Yeah, anybody want to go in the ministry? <laughs> that would change some things, wouldn't it? So how does it happen that a whole village receives Christ on the same evening? I mean, well, you think of, about in our culture, like that would be.
1: Yeah. A lot of times what they do is they show the Jesus film. Right. And uh, the Jesus film is probably one of the most impactful films for evangelism that is in uh, the third world context. And so they're always asking me for projectors. So I collect projectors, and I take them to them when I can. I've had 12 donated in the last couple of weeks and so we're going to take uh, several to Tanzania and Uganda when we go in July for graduation but they'll take a projector and they'll show the Jesus film and uh, they'll have maybe 29 30 saved on the one night the next night they'll have you know 30 more that's been our experience and there have been uh, uh, several instances where an entire village uh, in a jungle context come to know Christ.
2: Right so it's obviously God has prepared those people Yes. Right, and so we're entering into a work that God's already got things going on. Right. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, uh, I assume that there were missionaries somewhere back down the line. Right. Yes. Uh, and so, but now, rather than sending a missionary, what we're saying is, at least in situations where there are a lot of yes, it, it makes more sense to train those who were originally reached by the missionary. That's right. Exactly That's,
1: right. The, the thing that we we did mention, and I'm glad you brought it up. The pioneer missions has been the basically the American model for 200 years. They've, but it's been a, a limited model in the sense that they have to go in and pioneer work. They have to translate the scriptures. They have to. Uh, they're limited in terms of how many churches they begin and, and the guys that they train. However, in the last 100 years, oftentimes American mission agencies have left a a weaker legacy than possibly they should have or could have left, because they didn't really leave the nationals with uh, an effective sense of their destiny to reproduce what the Americans
2: did. Right, so they were still dependent on the missionaries. They were
1: still dependent rather than independent. Right,
2: okay. And so now, but you've, how many many pastors have you trained, do you think, about? Take a guess.
1: Uh, I would say upwards of a
2: thousand. Okay, all right. More. But now you're looking uh, to train trainers. Okay, right. so how is that going to multiply the ministry?
1: Well, the trainers that we're training um, are the ones. That's what. That's the sweet spot of what I think God is as as wanting to accomplish, because these guys are going to be far more mobile than we are. They're there. They can. They already know the language. Already know the culture context in which they're serving. So. The, what we envision is that one of them will will carry the weight of three or four countries, and they'll train other trainers in those other uh, three or four countries. Our plan is to have a hundred by the end of two thousand and thirty-two, which will be about two in each country. But they're going to really be able to exponentially multiply by going in and training.
2: Right, because you, you as one trainer trained about a thousand in the last and, twelve yeah, years.
1: And Fidel. Right now, he's doing a, a whole lot more than what we're doing. Right. And, and that's, what, that's what should be. Right. That's the way it should be. We should be in the, in the background. These guys should be the ones that are really in the foreground. Right.
2: Now, obviously, when you go train, you, you aren't speaking their language. You have to have an interpreter no. for you. Fidel right.
1: used to be my translator. Okay. Yeah. And now he's the. And does
2: trainer. somebody have to translate for him? No. Because he has multiple languages? He knows multiple languages. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so let me ask this, how important is this training for those pastors? Because where are they starting with respect to being prepared for the ministry? I mean, obviously they have to have the character and the relationship with God, but yeah. do they have any training? I mean, Usually how not. crucial is this training Usually for them? Usually
1: not. And, and one of the things that we've been interested in as we've done this is we've, we have you always want to know who else is doing what you're doing. How effective are they doing what you're doing? And how, what can you learn from them if they're doing something better than you can? And what we've discovered is that um, most of these um, guys that we're training, they don't want money and they don't want resources necessarily. They need those, but what they really want is training mm-hmm. because they know that knowledge is power. They know that better than we know that. Knowledge and equipping is, is power to them. And and they want to break out of that uh, that mindset of the faith or fake healer. They wanna break out of the mindset of that deliverance ministry, that gl- glitzy, glamorous stuff where they, they come into an area to take everybody's money and then give them nothing in return because they don't have anything, they're false teachers. They wanna break out of that mentality and really learn uh, the scriptures so that they can feed
2: their people. Awesome, so here's a good question for you. Why Africa?
1: That's a good question. You know, God's got Anywhere
2: else you think? Uganda, Indonesia. Yeah, we're
1: we're in Myanmar. We're in East Asia as well. We don't have the presence there yet that we would like, but we're not worried about it because God hasn't really given us a presence yet, but he's given us a major footprint in Africa. And I think in the next 10 years, if the Lord allows this plan to move forward, I don't think Africa's going to look the same. I don't see it looking the same.
2: Right now, Africa is not, I mean, although there are some Muslim countries, but it's not primarily Muslim, is that correct?
1: There's a lot of Muslim influence, but, uh, and they're trying to But not to make, like in Indonesia. Not like in Indonesia. Yeah. Of course, you have, you have Buddhism, Hinduism, um, that, that are fighting, um, you know, and Islam, the Islamic, you know, imprints there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there are five Portuguese-speaking nations in, in Africa. Right. Mozambique is one, and we're about ready to go into Mozambique. And our plan is to find a couple of good hosts, and then as soon as we can get some guys trained, turn them loose in the five
2: Portuguese-speaking nations. Awesome. Awesome. Okay, so if I'm understanding this question right, it's asking, does your ministry baptize these people? And I'm assuming you talked about, you know, how many people get saved. And... And my, I think I know your answer. But what would you say? If people getting yep. saved, are you baptizing them or no? No, right.
1: we don't baptize them. The nationals do all of the church work.
2: Real quick, by nationals, we've used that term. You explain, okay, better explain yeah. indigenous <laughs> too. The
1: indigenous people are the ones that we're training. We're by training indigenous,
2: people. you mean the ones who are n- living right there. there. They're right.
1: living right on site, and uh, the, the these indigenous nationals, you know, they travel. Like in Liberia. We've taught there a couple times during rainy season. You know some of those guys will travel for 12 hours to get to the teaching site? It's crazy. 12 hours, you know, and they they arrive. They don't look too much worse for the wear, but they're very tired. Um, But they will go to whatever extreme is necessary to get to that place where they can congregate and learn.
2: And, and so but then the people who get saved, they're getting saved in connection with the church someplace, yes. and the church is baptized. This is all right. church plan right.
1: work, yeah.
2: Right, cool. Uh, well, anything else you want to say before we end?
1: You know, all I can say, folks, is uh, to God be the glory for what he's doing. And we need to see it that way and recognize it that way. It's not about us, and it never has been. It's about what God wants to do and our willingness to participate with god in his program and when we do that we see amazing things
2: all right awesome it's been really really good to have you guys uh and they're going to be out in the foyer and stop by see they have some stuff out there they can talk to you about it maybe answer any other questions you might have well i'm going to ask though if grace could come up then you stay here bruce and glenda could you come up okay where's grace where'd she go there she is come on up What I want to do is uh, we want to pray for you and for your ministry as a church, okay? So you guys pray with us. Don't just listen, but pray with us, all right? I'm going to ask, and she doesn't know but I'm going to ask Glenda to pray for them because I know her heart has been connected with that ministry for years, okay? So you do that, and then we'll be dismissed.
3: Our God, we just lift you up for who you are. And, boy, what we've heard this morning. You've just been doing wonderful, wonderful things all over the world and here at this church, but over there in Africa. Thank you for using the Snaveleys, such willing, willing people. I know many of the stories that you've allowed them to live these last years of difficulty and things that are quite scary and Um. things that are joyful and wonderful, but thank you, God, for enabling them, for giving them the strength, the wisdom, a lot of the understanding, a lot of patience. I just pray for you to continue to give your your grace and your mercy to them. Even the remainder of the day here is who are all encouraged that each individual here will open their heart to you to see possibly they would like to support financially, prayerfully. I pray that you speak to each person's heart here and s- with what you would have them to do, and how they can be a part of this, of what you're doing. Thank you so much for who you are. I pray that here at this church, as we had eight people last week, say that they have accepted you as personal Lord and Savior. I pray for many more, even some who are here today. And I pray for those to be followed in baptism, and to grow in the knowledge of you. In your son's name, we can pray these things. Amen.
2: Amen. God bless you. Thank you. you. They will be coming to you most likely with a recommendation about this. So I'm going to turn it over now to Bruce and uh, Grace, and uh, let's open our hearts to the Lord.
1: morning church seems like an eternity since we were last here it really hasn't been but uh, a a lot has happened in uh, in our ministry since we were last here, and uh, we're gonna get right to it we got uh, just about 45-50 minutes and we want to just get through a lot of uh, information for you and hopefully it'll be a fun ride but About 11, uh, we're in our 12th year now, Uh, years ago, we got a vision to train national pastors or national church leaders all over the world who either couldn't get education or couldn't pay for it. Usually it's both. And I knew they were out there. I just didn't know how we were going to connect with them. We thought we were going to have to connect through missionaries, uh, white Western missionaries or what have you, you know, wherever they are in the world. And I want you to know that we've never contacted the first missionary to find these people. All right. What hap- happened, we had a young man in our class from the Congo. He introduced us to a pastor in Rwanda who introduced us to some pastors in the Congo. And from there now, we're in 14 nations of Africa training nationals. Uh, in the next 10 years, we plan on being in all 54 African countries. But in the last <clears throat> about 10 years, we've seen over 400 churches started by trained nationals in Africa, over 200 in Liberia alone. And uh, so we're going to show you a quick trailer and let you get up to speed a little bit about what, who and what we are, and then we'll walk you through some slides and pictures, and, uh, and uh, then we'll bring the word in a, in a few minutes. We've got one of, one of our uh, uh, board members here with us today, Jason. He's going to speak for a few minutes about his experience with GBTF, and then we'll uh, go into the message and uh, have a great time in the word. But let's uh, bring that trailer up, and we'll show you... That. <laughs> In politics, it's
4: all
1: about being That
4: Well, thank you for the opportunity to be here. I think it has been 10 years. Have you ever read, uh, where's Pastor? Have you ever read Bruce's Life Story book? See, that came out in 2014 and we were here before that. So we're sending you a copy. We had some to bring this morning and walked off without them, but it's all right. <laughs> We'll send some to the pastor so that he can make them, put them in the church library or something. But uh, Bruce asked me to talk about how this got started. Not because it started with me, but I remember the very day I was telling Glenda this morning. And by the way, Glenda has been an encourager in our ministry all these years. You know, we send out update emails and very few people respond and say, I'm praying, this is exciting. She's one who always does. And I've so appreciated that. But I remember the day when Bruce said to me, I have this dream in my heart. And we're flashing pictures behind us. Not that we're going to be in sync with them, but we want you to be able to put places and faces with what we're saying to you. But um, Bruce told me that we were teaching in Bible college here in Boston at the time. And he said, my heart for missions has just never left me. And I picture these People who are in ministry but have no resources and no ability to get them, and I want to take it to them. And it seemed an unlikely thing. I mean, God had allowed Bruce to get a PhD in theology, so it seemed like he ought to be teaching in college here, but God's the one who decides that, isn't He? And our heart for missions never left us, and that's where Global Baptist Training foundation was born, and as Bruce said, these groups keep finding us. We don't have to go looking for them. Um, and Bruce is gonna tell you where we've come from and then we're gonna move ahead.
1: Oh, you don't mean this. <coughs> Excuse me. Well, we started in Rwanda, of all places, and that's where the genocide happened back in 1994. You remember that, about a million people died in that genocide of the Tutsi uh, clan and uh, we began to work with a man who was a Tutsi uh, in Rwanda who after the genocide, 90 days of genocide, a million people dead, he went out and he began to go to the churches that had been decimated and replace the pastors of those churches uh, with, with pastors that had never been trained. Never, They were young men, maybe leaders, but never been trained, didn't know a lot about the Bible, didn't un- understand how to handle the Word of God. And so he began to say, okay, <clears throat> you're the leader. Here, 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 about 55 of them. And then about, um, about 12 to 15 years later, we came along. And about 18 years later, we came along. And he said, I want you to train these guys. So we started training them. And it took a little longer in Rwanda than normal, but uh, that's where we began. And uh, we've, uh, the story of Dennis, our host there, is just an amazing one. He was spared on the first few days of genocide, uh, really in a miraculous way. But after installing these 55 pastors, we got to go in and train them. And just uh, last year, we uh, graduated them after 10 years. The reason it took so long, it takes three now normally to get them through the program, but it took so long then because we were only going back once a year. And it was very difficult for them to come out of the bush and out of the areas where they were to meet together. And uh, they're very much impoverished men of God. uh, And yet... We expect them to be part of the process. We just, we're not like the United Nations or like some uh, great resource group that just hands out money and says, we'll pay your expenses, buy your food, this, that, and the other. They have to participate. They actually have to get to the site on their own. They have to give a little something to, the, to their host for the syllabus. They have to actually give to provide for their own food needs that during the week. And so that's how a class is handled. And when everybody has some skin in the game, as we call it, the, uh, the appreciation and the desire actually increases because everybody's participating. And it's a wonderful confluence of, of both teacher and student and the work that God is doing. And what has happened in the last, uh, now in our, in our 12th year, has just been absolutely astounding. About five years ago, a man came uh, to us and said, I want, uh, I, I, I'm retired from the pastorate, I'm raising money in order to support church planners to start new churches all over the world. He said, I'd like to work with you. Well, we'd been in business, you know, we'd been, the foundation was about uh, six years old at the time, and I thought to myself, we're going to get, have somebody come in and join us? Are you kidding me? I don't know this guy. I, I don't really trust this guy. I'm, I'm not sure I want to endanger the, the integrity of our organization that God has built and, and just partner with somebody that I don't know well. The Lord touched my heart. We've partnered with him. Since then, we've seen over 400 churches started in Africa in the last five years. It's been absolutely amazing. It's been incredible. And this year, there are uh, over 130 that are starting just this year. Just, uh, just this year. Now, about two months ago, get this, if you think that's crazy, <laughs> in, in just uh, the last couple of months, an organization, um, we came into contact with them. Actually, one of our trainers went into Guinea and started a church in Guinea. We're not in Guinea yet, all right? We're not holding classes in Guinea. They're coming down to Liberia, where we are in Banga, and uh, just 45 minutes from the jungle, and we're, we, we meet there with about 90 pastors twice a year in Banga. It's one of the largest classes we have. By the way, I don't run the largest classes in Africa. Our national trainers that we have established Mm -hmm. hold the largest classes in Africa now, all right? So we're not the big cheese. They're the big cheese, and they're intended to be the big cheese because they can do it better. You know why? Because they already know the language, they already understand how to navigate the culture, and they already love the people. So why not turn them loose? doing the work of the ministry in the context of where they are. And it works fantastically, all right? So this guy goes up to Guinea, starts a church. They're running about 100 people. They want a building. They don't have any money. Uh, Some of you remember, maybe maybe remember the pastor's wife, I'm sure remembers. We had a picture of about 25 plastic uh, yard chairs that we purchased at a hardware store in Ganta, just over the border from uh, Guinea in Liberia. And a guy strapped them on his his motorcycle and carried them over the border and and used them in this new church. But they said, we need a building. So I said, we don't build buildings, Pastor Wall. We don't build buildings. We don't start churches. We train nationals. That's what we do. That's what God's called us to do. We don't do any of the other stuff. So if God's going to do something else through us, and he has... He's got to bring other people into our sphere and say, "We want to partner with you." That's what happened with the church plan. Now, two months ago, this organization or this guy made this request to start a building. I came home, met a guy that I went to seminary with years ago, and it was an old friend. And he said, "He said, by off the cuff, he said, we've got a guy in our church, multi-million dollar organization that was left in his hands." The man died. He was, a, he was a big contractor down in Miami. He made millions. Before he died, he got saved wanted to leave all of his wealth to starting churches in the third world context. Nothing in the West, nothing in Europe, only in the third world context, want to build church buildings. He said, you might want to talk to him. <laughs> I said, okay. So we went over to Tampa where he lives. We met in this huge monstrosity of a building where they run their organization out of. They don't need that big organiza- big building, but they've got it. And uh, we sat in this huge room and sat down to coffee, and he said, tell me your story. I I told him the story. I said, we've got our first church building project that's come across our our plate, and they they have architectural plans and and the material list and the amount of money that they need. And he said, let me see it. I handed him the folder. He looked at it, and it was about a $54,000 project. He looked at it, and he said, pocket change. (laughs) I said, what? yeah I I mean I was scared 54,000 I thought that might blow him off no it didn't in fact he said I have an idea that we might be doing this again and so we are now in the process they're gonna break ground on that Guinea church <laughs> a week from yesterday and we
4: already have the funds
1: and we've got the funds they sent us the check when I was in Rwanda about a month ago training uh, 25 national trainers from all over East Africa I got an email from the secretary of that organization saying we have voted unanimously to support this church building in guinea and we're sending where do you want us to send the check so i said send it you know this this place and so we got the money in the account it's ready to be du- they they've given us the responsibility of doing phase one phase two phase three with pictures uh... demonstrating all the work that's being done and then the finished product when this one is finished we're going to continue submitting plans like you've never seen before because our plan now through this organization is to build over the next 10 years getting into all 54 African states or countries, two or three major church plants in each one of these places where we can have a GBTF training center with an apartment for a visiting professor, a national. You don't need air conditioning in those those bedrooms, right? Only for this guy, but in those bedrooms they'll just they'll just have, those have the regular fare for the African nationals and they can come in and train in these key areas in a church building that has been built that has a training center built right into it. And again, folks, we can't do that kind of thing. None of that is because of anything we planned or that we have anticipated. Couldn't have told us that we were going to start churches and then build churches when we started training trainers. wall. Couldn't have imagined it, but that's what God has done. So it's been absolutely amazing.
4: Um, Do you guys remember the story of the loaves and the fishes in the Bible? What did God do when that little boy said, here, Lord, it's yours? what did he do? He multiplied it. Probably that little boy could never imagine what Jesus would do with his lunch. Well, I think Bruce and I feel that way. In fact, we often give this analogy. <clears throat> we feel like we're on a bus and the Lord's driving and we got a strap on our seatbelts because all we did was say, Lord, here is our experience and our education. We really don't know what we're doing. And the Lord has taken us from there, and um, provided financially in so many ways. And um, I I just want to give you a picture of what financial support looks like. One of these classes that trains 70 to 100 national pastors, not one time, but twice a year for about three and a half years and they finish our whole program, one class costs about five to six thousand dollars. That includes getting a teacher flown over there, accommodations, We have to pay to translate materials. Every pastor in every class goes home with the material from that class in his hand, in his language, and is encouraged to pass that on. Um, So we pay for that, and all the other incidentals that go with it. So, I mean, it's costly, and our national pastors can do it, our national trainers can do it a little less expensively than we can, but not a lot. Um, We are now paying the salary of one national trainer, um, and we pay him $300 a month, and that takes care of his family. And then we cover all of his travel expenses, and he's in more countries now than we could have ever imagined, Fidel is. Bruce has now just finished training 25 more that want to be national trainers. we got to fund them. We have to pay for their travel. So we have to raise the kind of funding so that we can exponentially multiply, training these pastors who then will train others who will start new churches, who will train others who will start new churches. And I can't give you the number of people that have been saved. We don't track it, God does, but it's in the thousands. I mean, we have thousands of pastors trained. Imagine out of 400, almost 500 church plants now, how many people they've led the Lord. Sometimes we get notes back that an entire village comes to know the Lord in one night. They'll go in and they'll show the Jesus movie. These people will all get saved, and then they plant a church right there to disciple them and grow them up and continue the Great Commission. So we look forward to partnering with LifeSource. We're already friends. We've already been in contact. And we really appreciate the time this morning to just give you a little bit of the burden for training nationals and what God can do through that.
1: Amen to God be the glory. Amen. Amen. And we have the privilege this morning of having Jason and Jason is one of our board members and he's had, had pastoral experience. He's an engineer in, in Boston, but he sits on our board, and um, he wanted to just take a few minutes uh, this morning. Uh, and just share his experience with GBTF, and I thought it would be valuable for you to hear, not just from us, but from someone that is part of the governing body of what we do, and um, and, and I think there's value in that, so, uh, Brother Jason.
0: Thank you. I just told Bruce when I came up, uh, that's been one of my dreams, is to build churches, to do that, So, uh, and that's kind of in my wheelhouse at this point, so we're going to Get more into that over the next few years. I first met uh, Bruce and Grace probably 20 years ago. I heard Bruce preach a message on a uh, at a Sunday night prayer service. I'd never heard anyone preach like him. It was fire and brimstone, but it really uh, it uh, it really just sparked something inside of me. And um, shortly thereafter, uh, started seminary and trained uh, for ministry. Uh, and then did part time ministry uh, for many years after that. And uh, I will tell you, because you've gotten just a small dose of this couple up here today and what they want to do, this is a power couple for Jesus. I mean, you've heard that term before. They truly are, and they are like no other couple I've ever met. And uh, so it was just drawn to their ministry. Well, about the same time that they started GBTF, uh, the Lord had led my wife and I, our family, to go plant a church in southern Rhode Island and so as soon as i knew that they were starting their ministry they were actually the first uh missionary that our church picked up for support it was a blessing for our people uh for a couple reasons one because uh, as they were starting up i was able to have bruce come in and preach for our church so there, our people got a break from listening to me uh which was very good and um so anyway just have always, always uh, been a a personal supporter of the ministry as well so a few years ago uh bruce and i started talking about coming on to uh to be a board member and so um i would say that maybe except for a period of about 10 months uh i've been a personal supporter of the ministry for uh since its beginning and to me it's all about that go and make disciples of all the nations you know um I was brought up in a King James church, and so that that passage there says, "Go ye therefore and teach." And that's what their passion is. And I, I just it blew my mind when they talked to me about the concept of going into these nations and teaching uh, locals, nationals, how to teach and to to preach theology. Because I've heard Bruce on many many different occasions, and the theological training these people are getting—it's it, unbelievable. I mean, it's second to none, uh, the type of training that these pastors are getting. And there is no way they would ever, without GBTF, have the ability to get the type of training that they're getting. So, uh, the Lord has blessed me and my family for uh, supporting GBTF. I know that. I've got tangible proof of that in my own life. Um, Bruce is going to come and preach for you now. If you'll listen, I know that God will do something in your heart as well. I'm privileged to be a part of uh, GBTF, and uh, you're about to be privileged to get to hear from this man of God.
1: Thank you, Jason. Thank you. Well, I wish we had more time to spend together this morning and just tell you all that the Lord is doing. Uh, But you've got a little snippet of it, and uh, we just can't imagine.